0: Hey. this episode is brought to you in part by Signature Doors and Windows and Modern Denver Magazine. Now, on to the show.
1: And I come back to the U.S. and I get a job with Halliburton Root. And my first assignment is putting the date on like 500 sheets of drawings for a hospital. Then my second assignment is I got to draw parking lots over and over again. Then I graduated and I could draw toilet rooms over and, oh, over, wow, and over again. Oh, wow, nice. And I know, Once and I could trust I know, you enough. And yeah, yes. yeah. And I know the feeling. Because right then I'm like, what is this about? You know, what, what happened to the idealism? Right. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hello.
2: Hello. Hello, and welcome to Architecting. Hey, hello, and welcome to Architecting. I'm Adam Wagner. Our mission here on this podcast is to tell Colorado design stories. And recently, we were able to do this at AIA Colorado's Design and Practice Conference in Keystone, Colorado. For me, this event is really a party where I get to be around all my favorite people, past guests, future guests, friends, and colleagues, and get them all in one place. This year, AIA Colorado graciously set up a a glass podcast studio for me in the middle of the conference room, where I was able to sit down with all the keynote speakers and other guests to recap and dive deeper into the talks that they gave. This will be a series of short interviews released over the next few weeks. For more information and pictures from these talks and events, you can check out our Instagram page or go to aiacolorado.org. The fourth interview in this series is with the very delightful and engaging Carol Ross Barney, the 2023 AA National Gold Medal recipient. Carol is a longtime architect, urbanist, mentor, and educator. She and her firm have been honored with over 200 major design awards and have completed work on influential projects such as Chicago's Riverwalk, the Oklahoma City Federal Building, and some pretty interesting McDonald's restaurants, flagship ones in. Chicago and in Disney World. She delivered a very thoughtful overview of her career and projects and then gave me a very delightful interview afterwards. And I'm going to use that word delightful again because I really did enjoy my time with her. Now uh, check it out.
0: I want to start off. Well, first, thank you for, for for joining us, Carol Ross Barney here, the 2023 AIA Gold Medal winner and keynote speaker at our at our conference. I really like that story of of how you came to architecture. The architect as a profession isn't always visible to everybody, right? And understanding what that is, and 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 you had this story of, well, yeah, you tell it maybe uh, of being in school and oh, being with, in your, school? with your with te- your with your
1: yeah. Uh, you know, you're right about what people think of architects. You know, what's the public persona of architects? He's like the guy who owned Mr. Ed,
0: right? Yeah.
1: And then uh, Paul and Newman the, and the and Brady, the, when the building, uh, oh, the Brady bunch, Brady,
0: guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and Paul Newman in that Burning Tower movie, right? I mean, the people just don't think, although we're very respected.
0: Yes. Yeah. You do. You know. And if you people look at think we make surveys, a lot of money, and they yeah, do. right.
1: They do. Although I'm going to push back on the money thing, because even though I think we're hugely underpaid. I would hate to discourage anyone from being an architect about money. Right. Because I mean, it is middle comfortably middle class. I think we should be paid more. But I think I think most people should be paid more, so I'm I'm probably not a good person to talk about that. Anyway, I didn't know any architects growing up. I, I was really good at fixing things. I, and looking back, most architects are makers. Always you see that you know, they do carpentry or they build fix hot rods, whatever. There there's this thing about being able to put things together in three dimensions. And then I also could draw pretty well. And so I thought I was going to be an artist, especially during the Kennedy administration, and he always talked so about gloriously about what we owe our society. I decided that painting wasn't enough. And so when when I was getting ready to go to college, I went in to see my high school guidance counselor, and I, I told her I wanted to be an architect. And I went to an all-Catholic girls high school. I don't think she ever had anybody say that to her before, that they wanted to be an architect. But you know, to her great credit, she didn't say, oh, you know, girls don't do that, Carol. You know, would you like to be, how about a painter? Or maybe an interior designer? Instead, she said, oh, okay, I'll go find out where you should apply. And so when I arrived at the University of Illinois, my parents didn't say anything about it either, but my mother wanted to be the um, first woman president of the United States. Oh, Instead, wow. she had eight children. I mean, go figure. Wow. But in any case, when I got to school at uh, the U of I, my freshman architecture class was over 300, and there were 12 women. Wow. And that's when it sort of hit me. It's like, whoa. This is... Um, interesting.
0: Well, and how did you even make that jump from, okay, I, I, painters don't make quite enough in, impact, so architect, right? I thought, uh, you know,
1: architects to me, the idea of building space, building cities. I mean, I I don't think I ever really thought about building houses, although I'm intrigued by building houses. But I saw, you know, it, maybe being in Chicago is part of it too, you know, a city with spaces that were very impressive.
0: Right. But, you know, I I liked I like that idea. And and I think a lot of us start there and try to stay there of of that idea of, "Okay, let's let's make the world better. Right. And in architecture and we can do that. And looking back, maybe this doesn't pertain as much to you, but but looking back at yourself in high school, would you still recommend your younger self to go into architecture to make that difference in the world? Like, I say it doesn't pertain as much to you because you have made such a difference. It can be hard for a sole architect to impact
1: you know, I um, the world. That's a really interesting question. And um, I actually think that that is why the, the reason why you should pick it. I think I got really lucky when I had this sort of weird, you know, brain flip or whatever. I think that one thing that is really wonderful about our profession, is that you could do that at any scale. You could make the difference at any scale. That's sort of the point I was trying to make, you know, by showing McDonald's, which is a really small building. That's a high-profile McDonald's, but any any project that you get, especially where we are today, where society is today, you're going to make an impact, and it's an important one. And if we don't do it, this is existential the irony of it is that the planet will still be here and lots of things will live on it it's just that we won't have a environment that suitable for humans to live it's it's i mean i, it, it I hate to be going. dire right yeah but this is dire and so yes the, what you do is great yeah any individual could do it you can stop eating red meat you could drive an electric car whatever but you get to do it in your daily work not just your existence i think that's important and if you work on houses or small things or if you're even part of a big team you're still making that contribution so yes i would definitely recommend it yeah. And you know what happens, I, I, but I teach fifth year, I've been teaching fifth year, which is the, you know, that's the last one, the ultimate right. class. And usually when I'm trying to figure out what I want to teach, I do want to teach about citizenship and how architecture, how architect, architect citizens are so important. Because I mean, I get them at fifth year, they know how to draw, they know how to make models, they should know how to program. I mean, if if they've gotten that far, they're in trouble. Okay, if they don't know that stuff. So I think we have an unusual opportunity, actually, that yeah. we should seize.
0: In these interviews, like, I love asking people, okay, yeah, what, what was your, your experience in school and, and what was that thesis? And then what did you do that next, that next year? I'm, I'm interested in, in what students do with all that that belief and all that energy that's coming out of grad school and how sometimes it's so easy to be hit by that that oh, wall it. of profession
1: the wall is there, isn't
0: it? and I, I liked how you you, you talked there about okay it, it, everybody can make an impact right it's it's not necessarily saying okay how am i going to come out and change the entire world but it's how do i make the world a little better with this one thing and then how you framed your talk of saying okay this this talks about safety resilience and inclusion right and and how you sort of broke down projects in that way?
1: I know the wall you're talking about. Right. I do. I when I uh, okay. So this is my story. I uh, graduated, and there were, it was we're in the middle of an economic recession, which is you know architecture is so vulnerable. Right. And all all of a sudden, all these jobs evaporate. So I was wandering across campus through the Illini Union, and there were some tables out, and one was for the Peace Corps. <laughs> and so I thought, I, I never thought about going to the Peace Corps. But I picked up an application, and I turned it, I, I put on it, by the way, that the only place I wouldn't go was Latin America. Hmm. I wanted to go, I wanted to go to India or Africa. I hmm. thought that was where I could really make a difference. So see, I'm on the same track. I'm still the high schoolie who's trying to make a difference. Right.
0: And this is like the kind of 70s? Or, yeah, or, yeah. it's
1: 1971. Okay. And so about mm, two weeks later, I get a call. And they said, person on the line says, Well, you know, we got your application and we'd like to offer you an assignment to Costa Rica. <sighs> and I'm going, like, Man, that sounds really Latin American. To me. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, so I landed up going to Costa Rica. It was very Latin. I didn't know where it was. This is, you know, how. Talk about how stupid and dumb and, and basically unexposed I was, uneducated. It's right on the isthmus. It's this little country that stretches from the Atlantic to the Pacific. It's interesting because it has the, one of the most diverse ecologies uh, in the world because it's on the, it's on the Pacific flyways, the reason. So oh. any anything bird beast that's migrating goes through costa rica right so i went there and i was attached to a program that was designing national parks so i felt i was doing all kinds of great things i I did a master plan for a coral reef it's like this is great you know i went to architecture school and i'm planning coral reefs i did a historic restoration of um, a house that had huge meaning to costa rican history and I come back to the U.S. and I get a job with Halliburton Root. And my first assignment is putting the date on like five hundred sheets of drawings for a hospital. Then my second assignment is I got to draw parking lots over and over again. Then I graduated and I could draw toilet rooms over and, oh, over, wow, and over again. Oh wow! Nice. I Once and they could trust I know, you enough,
0: and yeah, yes. yeah.
1: And I know the feeling. Just right then, I'm like. What is this about? You know, what what happened to the idealism? Right. And I think that that is a in my studio, that's one thing that I really hope never happens because I, there is every job has a certain amount. I don't I guess you could call it drudgery. Mm-hmm. But there is some routine work that has to be done right. so that your product, your services are complete. And I I always try to be hyper alert that you See how that fits into the bigger world. I, I know the wall you're talking about, and and I think the way to do it is to keep the conversation going, like we are today here, in Keystone, and 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 uh, talking to each other and, and staying on top and and knowing where the opportunities are. Because yeah, there are moments of drudgery. There's no question about right. it. Right. Yes. And you have to Door put your dues in. Schedules are yeah, yeah. boring. Right. There's just no way right. around it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so in your in your firm, you you tr- try to just paint the larger picture of that drudgery to give them a, a sense of it? Or, you're, try or really you're trying hard. to insert different things well, in to give I, I them that sense of purpose? There's two
1: parts of it. One is we try to... Um, it's so funny. One speaker said they, they didn't have a vision. One said they didn't have a mission. I can't remember. Right.
0: Yeah. No mission statement. Right. Yeah. Tom we Kunde, we yeah.
1: definitely like to hire people who share our vision. And it's sort of a Pollyanna vision, I will admit this. But I think that without, I think that, okay, this is another connection that I personally believe in. I think that you're the best designer when you're optimistic, too. I think when you fall on, you start being pessimistic about the work, you also aren't as creative. I think architecture requires optimism. Right. But anyway, so we do it a couple ways. One is that if you accept our vision, we hope that you see where this project fits in bigger in the bigger or where they, your particular activity the other thing about that is I've been really aware for a long time that while we may share a vision we don't, what brings me joy isn't necessarily what brings the next person joy I remember working on a project years ago this is a guy who taught it to me I was really happy because oh man, the owner let me do something really crazy and inventive and my my project architect, his name was Chris. I'll never forget Chris. Ayo, Chris a life, you know, a life bump. Um, he said, "Oh no, this is terrible. We have to do more drawings." He was so involved in making the process smooth. And late, we talked about it. We got over it. It was a beautiful building. But I realized then what gives him joy, you know, what makes him scared and what gives him joy isn't the same thing that what gives gives me joy. And so the other thing I try to do, as I try to understand what people are really good at, what makes them happy, mm. and combine them with people who basically fill their gaps, and they fill that person's gaps. Right. Because that can also make a project, you know, sort of more. Right. Uh, exactly. More satisfying. Yeah. And then the final thing is we 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 try we try to accept even. Projects that are not glamorous. Oh, let me give you an example. We're doing a project now for the Chicago Police. It is a work. It's a work improvement type of project. We're doing locker rooms, and we're doing conference rooms. And the Chicago Police stations are in really terrible shape. So we took, and we're doing front of house too, where you touch hmm. the police first. And we took the project because we thought it was noble, that you know, to make if if, if policemen our meeting would maybe they wouldn't be this this is an exaggeration but you know that they workspaces have to be
0: right it it affects yeah the front
1: door experience and so many people in cities the first place they touch social service is with the police um that we needed to do this project even though it wasn't glamorous it's like 30 stations and they're it's just you know but I'm not la- lauding us for that but what happened when I when we announced that we had been awarded this commission there were some architects in my office that were they were they were shocked they said how can we work for the police you know this is terrible
0: from a political standpoint yes. or from, from a like from, drudgery yes, from a, okay from
1: a political standpoint right they said we can't believe you accepted this project please don't assign us today. Mm. so that and what we did is we set up a series of lunches and seminars and the table was completely open, and you could say anything you wanted. We explained why we took it, you know, that this was workplace improvement, and we thought, it, it, the same thing you said a moment ago, if you're not at the table, how do you get to talk?
0: Right, right.
1: So that's the other thing I think that is unusual about our studio, is that we'll turn something that seems to be a problem, a political problem in the studio, into what I hope is a positive or at least a greater understanding the other thing is if you never like the police after that you never want to work at them at least i think you have a better understanding of your own self right so we are doing them right and it's not glamorous but it's part of our vision
0: yeah and i I like that idea of understanding of yourself and especially that that question of sort of what makes you happy and i've been trying to work on that a lot lately of what what is it within architecture within whatever like really gives me that joy that i want to pursue did you were you able to really identify that early in your career and then as your position and your role within architecture and your own firm changes does that that sort of happiness that source of happiness has it changed and evolved you know, it's
1: real interesting i would say that i knew those things um well i was pretty young but i didn't know them well hmm. um it's so funny. I, whenever uh, my students tend to say, "Oh, Carol, you're the complete architect." I am not. Some things I, you know, I can't do. I'm not good at them. I don't like doing them. Um, There's some things I'm really good at. I think better than other people. And I knew those. I didn't know what they were exactly, but like, I love ideas. I, like, I, like, I, be, I love being a contrarian. If someone says, this is the answer, my question is why? I want to go 180 degrees and look the other way and see what's on the other side. Okay, so I'm really good. You know, get me in the beginning of, of a discussion. I'm great. I, when, it, when things bog down, like in the middle of a, of a job, I'm really, really bad. I'm really bad at planning what we have to show on the drawings. I'm really bad at oh God, I'm really bad at coordination. I understand it, but I'm really bad at it. It doesn't bring me joy, but I'm very, very good at detailing. Huh. So my partner, one of my partners, he's he's like my perfect partner. His name is Eric Martin. He, we've been working together for probably 20 or 30 years now. He says that preliminary design scares the shit out of him. <laughs> But he loves the planning, the project, you know, getting the guts in, and he loves construction. And we overlap in the detail part. So we we just, when we work on something together, I think it's way better because we do have these different, these different strengths. But the, the other thing I'd like to say, though, is I think there, and I think we're getting out of it, there's this thing about the star architect, mm-hmm. the superstar architect. There's one guy that's leading the band. Right. And that... You're only good if you're a designer, right? That's bullshit, right? It's like so not true, right? Yeah, um, I've met who people who I think are great architects because they do bring two materials together. I mean, in the simplest sense, architecture is putting two materials together. If you don't do that right, it doesn't matter what else you've done.
0: And then more material, the more 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 sure. more more. But, well, but yeah. it, it starts with the the, the two. And uh, but I I love I love hearing you say that of yeah, I'm not a complete architect. I can't do everything. And, and especially I have my own one person firm right now. And so I do have oh, you to do have everything. To and, and I'm definitely not good at everything. And it is, it, it's that pressure. And I think you're right about finding that right partner that, that dovetails well.
2: And, and
1: it doesn't have to be a partner. It's right. just finding out what you're good at and spending the time on that and then spending your money to fill your gaps. Right. Yeah, I know. Isn't that shocking when you, I started my own firm? It's like, Oh, what do
2: I do next? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: or, or which of the 30 things do I do next, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. But I was going to ask you about, you know, especially I, I love how yeah, you're tackling these these large infrastructure projects and you're saying a large percent of your of your projects are these infrastructure projects or like the the river walk project in, in Chicago that is so complicated, so many so many people coming into it, taking so long. And from somebody, myself, who doesn't have much patience, I, I'm wondering from from you, how you you're able to find joy throughout that whole project, and and able to get joy through the whole uh, bringing people together in collaboration and in the, that muck of the right.
1: I'm glad you asked me that question because I think that um, I said I'd, I haven't changed much. That's one thing that has changed about hmm. me. Um, I share your impatience. I did. Uh, when, we, when I see I started, a kindred spirit here, yes. Uh, when I started working, that was the worst thing. Is, you know, I, we, the, the team, the client, the whole, we, we see the answer, and it actually realizing it was minimally two, three years down the road. To right. me, that was so painful. Okay, this is my advice. It doesn't change. We have some projects that go so fast. The McDonald's projects, 14 months design to occupancy. Really? Yes. Wow. And they're it's not like, cheap.
0: It's fast food and fast building. Just have, uh um, yeah.
1: yeah, they have a, a stable of contractors and they're not afraid to spend money. But those are not most of our projects. I think construction is too slow. I think that's one thing that will change in the future. Hmm. But most of the time, it's it can be really a long time before you... We started our company, and it, it was seven years before we completed a building. Really? And we had little things before that, Right, but it was seven years to find a client who trusted us, <laughs> draw the building, and build it.
0: What was that first building? What was, was the kind a, a of scale? It was a post office. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah.
1: It was a post office in a suburb of Chicago. It, it felt endless for me.
0: So, yeah, uh, how, how did you eat for seven years? That, that's the... well, you
1: do other things in between. You, know, right. you do. Uh, uh, we used to. By my first partner, he's retired now, Jim Jankowski, another really great partner for me. When we started working, we decided that we really wanted. To do public work, Hmm. he shared. I have this idea that if you're my client and you want a house, I'll do exactly what you want. It's your house, (laughs) and so I I was. I wasn't good at that, right? Yeah. And he agreed. So we decided we weren't going to do porches for our friends, and we weren't going to do rec rooms, but we would do almost anything else. So we do. You know, we do remodels. We do toilet rooms. We would do. You know, sort of the really noble but really grubby work. And that's how so that's how we paid the bills
0: for seven years yes, yes. yeah that's that patience that i'm I, you and know but yeah.
1: but this is it after you build ahead of steam there's always something finishing so mm, mm-hmm. it gets a little better but i share that with you i think if i could do one thing that might be one of the things i do is make cons- i would love to build not because i'd like to build because i think you could do it so much more efficiently like i'm not on a job site what do you mean? The electrician's not on the job till <laughs> next week. It's like, it's like not available,
0: right? It's that idea of organizing the organizing the project, organizing the design, and then you lose control once it starts. Oh, yeah. yeah, huh?
1: But just that building it is a lot messier than drawing it. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I liked your presentation. I think it was a I can tell you you've spoken a lot, of course, but the presentation was you know it was, it was around those three those, those three subjects and then had just enough projects that you could really get into them well and you could understand the concept, the process and then the sort of outcome. So going about talks like this with all the projects you've completed, how do you go about choosing which projects to do and, and how to construct a, a talk like this?
1: Since I teach. I I'm asked to talk pretty pretty frequently, maybe a few years ago it was only like you know three or four times a year, but so usually what I do is I do an annual lecture, and it's really what I'm thinking about more than anything else. Nice. I'm personally very bored by lectures where. They say, and then we did this. <laughs> right. and this is the south elevation, <laughs> right. and here is the lobby. And we use blah blah blah, and blah, blah. Right. I I, I I I think your brain works so much faster than that. I mean, a picture, you knew all that stuff as soon as it flashed up there, and well, I find those really. I also find them a little bit mind-boggling, and so I have for a long time I've been trying to tell people, give. Our, especially students since I'm talking to students often access to you know the process of architecture hmm. how your thoughts lead to your actions and how your actions lead to the services and products so usually I write a lecture a year this year though with the gold medal I, I have several
0: right that and, I use and I I feel like when when you get asked to talk it's for me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And then it's sort of like, oh, no, I need to make something to talk about. But then the process of going back and documenting work and thinking about what you've done is so valuable to, 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 to do that and reflect, right? Yeah. Because um, there's not always time to, to do that. But.
1: Yeah. No, our... our um Our design process relies really heavily on storytelling. So a lot of the stuff I showed today, for example, is stuff that we developed to tell the story to the client. It wasn't for a lecture. It was because we wanted to understand it, and we wanted to tell that story to our clients. The best thing you can have is an engaged client. If you have somebody who's cheerleading, it's fabulous. If they're on the team pushing, that's the best situation. So we try to build, if we can, we build that in as early as we can.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the whole thing about that seven years, right, of, of finding, the, finding those right clients that, that aren't just hiring you because they're your mom's best friend's aunt or something like that, <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that they believe in what you're doing, and, and you're able to express what you're doing, I guess, right?
1: We've been pretty lucky about that, uh, although Mike made a joke about it when he was talking to me. I, the first time I met him, I, he was working for the Illinois Capital Development Board, and I made an appointment to tell them that their design standards were too low. Yeah,
0: nice. Yeah, they so, can go. They can go one of either yes. way, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: I think I told. I, he joked that QBS was quantity-based selection. Rather, I think I told sure <laughs> him that. That's funny. And part of it was self-serving. I mean, we were a young firm, and we were like, we never get a chance because we haven't done seventy-five bad schools.
0: Right. Right. Well, and and. Another reason I really wanted to talk to you is is your son and daughter-in-law have moved to Colorado recently and have have a great firm, Tumu, with Ross Barney and and Whaley Fang, and it was it was it was fun to have them on the stage with you afterwards for a little question and answer. And and again, I'm married to an architect and we have two small kids, and I'm I'm always interested in that idea of how you raise an arc how how you, raise, you raise a child a, of an architect. And you know Ross saying. I'm staying as far away as that I can, and then ends up coming back. And
1: okay, so you have two children. You know now that there's no such thing as a baby owner; they're on their own. You just do what they want. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah, Ross has always been super independent. I mean, that it, that is his one of his very distinctive character traits. I don't know where he gets it, but he, even as 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 a as a, as a child, he had the skill set the skill set that you look for at architects. Right. So, He could build anything. He saw things in three dimensions. I don't think, though, that I... Our family life was so integrated into my practice. I don't think he ever wondered what architects did. But being Ross, he was definitely not going to be an architect because he's an independent soul, and he was going to uh, go out and do that.
0: But you weren't putting, like, the Frank Lloyd Wright (laughs) mother-like carousel of buildings above the bed and, yeah.
1: No, no, no. I don't know if I went, you know, before we knew each other really well in his infancy I knew how independent he was but it, you know it was really obvious to me and I'm sure it's obvious to you with your children that they have different personalities yes and he was going to be his own drummer no matter what happened and some of it's hard I mean I would love him to join me in my partnership I would I told him that he should stay just because you know this now that the first few years of an architect, it's really it's shoveling it's shoveling. The trench—it's hard work, right? Yeah, and it's not inspiring, and it's, it's very a bunch of bathrooms and a bunch
0: of porches and.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I told him, look, I've already dug the trench. Just, yeah. you know? <laughs> right. But you know, with it, it's his dream. It's his idea that he wants—he wants to do that. So I—I'm looking forward to the work they do in their practice. Yeah. The other thing that's wild to me, though, is it's radically different. I mean, I—I I don't know where to start building houses. <laughs> we do multifamily, and I feel very comfortable there. I've done, I think, two houses in my whole career. One for the chancellor of the University of Minnesota, because I think we would have lost the other commissions if I didn't say yes. <laughs> but yeah.
0: Well, nice. You know, I again, I just, um, it's such a joy to be able to sit down with you and, and just gather as much of this life experience that you've, you've done here. And, and I think, you know, Mike Waldinger of, of, of AIA Colorado. A, a good quote he said at the end is that there's no living architect who has made more impact on Chicago architecture than Carol Ross Barney. And I, and just hearing that that clap at the end, I think sums up a lot of, of the appreciation and just the the effort that you've put into architecture, into changing the environment, and succeeding. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you. You can visit architecting.com, that's architect-ing.com,
0: to see images from this week's guest.
2: And please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week and keep connecting. Hi, I'm Eli. This show
1: is made by my mom and dad and these people. Heidi Mendoza, Emily Child,
0: Fernando Queiroz, Jaco. Trevor Natskow, Aaron Best, Kyle Brunner, Rob Cleary. All right, let's get a coffee. See ya.